0: be torn down to make way for an arena. Anybody remember that? Your people marched with placards protesting, saying that that was a landmark, a Winnipeg landmark, old store with lots of memories. And uh, the debate went on in the newspapers, in in households across the city, it was, uh, it was debated on the radio, CJOB, I don't know if anybody ever listens to CJOB, um, I don't, but I did hear an awful lot of noise regarding whether or not Eaton should be torn down. There was a, there was a big protest because of the great memories that were attached to that store. I, would, uh, I went there as a child with my grandmother, my grandma would take us to the dining room, the formal dining room, I think it was on the second floor, anybody remember that? With the proper silverware and uh, china, napkins, and on and on, and it was really quite a quite a wonderful experience. Great memories. Uh, I used to get on the bus with my buddies for ten cents. We could, <laughs> I don't tell you how old I am. For ten cents, we could ride from uh, from from Elmwood downtown to Eaton's, and we could hang out in the store and play around and do whatever kids do when they're ten. Yeah, different times. And of course, the meeting place, there's was a meeting place at Eden's. Everybody remember the meeting place? It was at the statue. Remember that? The, the, the old bronze statue of Timothy Eden. Great memories. But it wasn't enough to stop them from tearing down the store. And I asked myself the question recently what would happen if the cross church didn't exist? It doesn't matter. What effect would it have on this community? What effect would it have on this city, if any? Does it really matter? Does cross-church matter? Would, would anybody be adversely hurt or affected? Well, they tore down Eaton's and it didn't seem to make a difference. What would happen if they tore down cross Church? Would it matter? Well, that's why we are beginning a series today called Why Cross Church? Does it matter? Is it significant? Does it have value? Would the world be uh, worse off if we didn't exist? My prayer, my hope is that, in fact, you will recognize after the few weeks that we ask this question that you'll be able to say, yeah, Cross Church really matters. Cross church makes a difference, not just here in this community, but around the world. Cross church. Why cross church? Well, the first uh, answer to that question is this, because of the cross. You'll notice that in the name of our church is, in fact, the word cross. Cross. We're living in a day and age when most people don't know anything about the cross. They don't understand its significance. For most people, if you ask them, what is the significance of the cross, they would say something like this. It makes great jewelry. And some of you today are wearing a cross around your neck. Maybe you've got a cross earrings. I don't know. Uh, you might say it's a cross is useful if, if you're doing exorcisms. Um, a cross is is useful for decorating Well, what I want to talk to you today is not so much about a physical cross that you could maybe hold on your hand or maybe hang on the wall, but rather the message of the cross. Some of you grew up in a a tradition, a religious tradition, where there were crosses everywhere, on the the face of the building that you went to, um, maybe on the pulpit, uh, on the walls, on the Bible, maybe hanging around the priest's neck. In some churches where they have a procession with the with the Word of God and the procession of the priest, at the front of the procession will be a priest holding a bejeweled cross going before. And people get the idea that the significance of the cross is it's somehow part of the religious ritual or the religious uh, liturgy, but really don't have a, a clear understanding of its importance or its power. I want to explain to you today a little bit about the power of the cross and the significance of it. Not so much the physical cross but rather the message of the cross and what it stands for. It's it's interesting that so few believers actually understand what it means especially considering that Jesus said if you want to be my disciple you must deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. How is it that the that the demands of Jesus to be a disciple includes taking up your cross, and yet so few of us understand what that means. This church exists to preach the message of the cross. This church exists not to just entertain you on Sundays, and not just to give you a place to hang out so that you can meet other people, although those things are nice. It's not just so that you can get a free cup of coffee on sunday this church exists for the purpose of preaching the message of the good news as apostle paul would call it the good news about the cross look what he says here in first corinthians chapter 1 17 to 18 if you would read that with me for christ sent me to preach the good news and not with clever speech for fear that the cross of christ would lose its power The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. So this morning what I want to do is I want to remind everyone that without the cross of Christ, without without Christ's work at the cross, we have nothing. If, If Jesus didn't do what he did at the cross, we would not have a reason to exist or a reason to come together. We come together to celebrate. If you want to know the bottom line of why we come together, we come together to celebrate what Jesus Christ did at the cross. Without the cross, listen to this, Christianity is empty. Now here's the problem. For so many that don't understand the message of the cross, for so many who... Uh, who maybe it's, it's new to them, it just seems like foolishness. That's what the Apostle Paul says. For those who are perishing, or those who are headed for destruction, the message of the cross seems like foolishness. When we were getting the logo done for our church, and some of you, some of you will remember me telling this, the fellow asked me to give some instructions or at least a background of what it is that we believe, what it is that we stand for. And why, of all things, are we calling ourselves cross-church? And I asked him the question, I said, did you go to church when you were growing up? Because I wanted to know how much he knew, how much he would understand. And he said, in fact, yes, he he did go to church as a child. And in fact, he said that he went through the catechism and uh, he was confirmed and was Able to take his first communion, and I said, "Well, that sounds great." And 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 what happens? What's your faith story now? He goes, "Well, actually, I haven't gone to church for many years." I said, "Well, is there a reason why?" He goes, "Well, this kind of seemed uh, kind of irrelevant to me." I said, "Okay, that's 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 good to know. Now I know what I'm dealing with." So I proceeded to explain to him the message of the cross. I explained to him that Christians believe that. God who is not just a loving God is also a just God. How many understand that today? We talk about the love of God, but we don't often talk about or understand the justice of God. And the thing that you need to understand is that God has pronounced judgment on sin. He said that the, the wages of sin or the, the payment for sin is death. That's what God said. As a righteous judge, God says that those who sin, will die. In fact, we read that at the very start of the Bible, right there in Genesis chapter 3. If you take of the fruit, if you disobey God, if you sin in that manner, uh, you will surely die. And we read in Genesis chapter 3 that, in fact, Adam and Eve sinned against God, and they did, in fact, die spiritually, and then died physically. This is, this is, this is what sin does. Sin is destructive. Sin, sin kills Sin destroys. Sin is wretched and ugly and dirty and filthy. Sin causes us to have a guilty conscience. Sin causes us to feel shame and guilt. Sin does destructive and terrible things to us. And God is saying, that is the price of sin. Now, for those who look on, they think, wow, it seems so, uh, so unsophisticated that the price that, that God would demand for sin is death. It sounds a little bit extreme, doesn't it? Does it? Understand this today. There is a price for sin. And we under- if we understand that there is a God, and a, a righteous and holy God, and a, a God who is the creator of, of the universe, then he's the one that has the final say on it. And he, this is what he says. He says the price of sin is death. Now here's the thing. It doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Do you know why? Because this is, where, this is, this is now when we can talk about the love of God. We talked about the justice of God, now we talk about the love of God. God says this. God says he loves us so much that he doesn't want us to die. Even though he pronounces death for the sinner, he says, but I don't want you to die. And you know what he does? He sends his own son, Jesus Christ, who takes upon himself our sin and dies on the cross. And the Bible says that all who put their faith in, in the work that Jesus did at the cross, everyone who puts their faith in Jesus Christ who died on the cross will be saved, will receive life will receive eternal life so that if you should die, if you put your faith in Jesus, if you should die, you will immediately go into the very presence of God. You will be with God forever and ever. You will not suffer the consequences of sin, which the Bible says is eternal death. Sometimes we call it hell. For those who are perishing, it sounds like foolishness. But here's the thing, for those who have come face to face with their own sin, with their own guilt, and with their own shame, for those who say, I cannot stand this anymore, this is a message of hope and of life. And I want you to know today that God wants to set everyone free. God wants to give life to all who would believe and accept what Jesus did for them at the cross. I wonder today where you're at. I wonder today if you understand the importance of the cross. I'm going to tell you something. Back uh, 50 and even 100 years ago, You could not go to a church where there wasn't some kind of a clear presentation about the cross and what it stood for. But we have become very sophisticated in North America in this generation, and we don't like to talk about the cross. We don't like to talk about Jesus dying on the cross for instance. We don't even want to talk about sin because it just seems so unsophisticated and even a little bit antiquated and maybe even a bit foolish. Well, it is foolish for those who are perishing, the Bible says. But the fact of the matter is is that all who want to be set free love the message of the cross. In fact, Paul calls it, it's the very power of God. It sets you free. We become sophisticated. We don't want to talk about it. What we'd rather do, however, is talk about taking care of those who are in prison, those who are are homeless, those who are uh, financially destitute, uh, orphans, widows, um, the homeless. Don't panic, Dennis. (laughs) I know how important it is to you, and it is important to me. But listen to this, folks. Do you know that more important than feeding the widows and the orphans, more important than caring for the homeless, more important than visiting those in prison, more important than causes that that fight for justice for those who are being unfairly treated, more important, the most important thing of all, is the message that Jesus Christ can set you free from your sin. Jesus Christ can set you free from your guilt and your shame. Back in 1983, the PAOC began an operation, became an arm of the PAOC, the, the Pentecostal Churches of Canada, which our church belongs to. It was called ERDO, Emergency Relief and Development Organization. There was great debate before we started this organization because here's what was here's here's what was was uh, here's what was a, a cause of concern for many pastors. They were worried that that our movement, our church, our churches would become more concerned with people's physical needs than with their spiritual needs. They were concerned, they were worried that we'd be more concerned about, about just filling people's bellies and putting clothes on people than we would be about making sure that they received the truth that would set them free. And I'm happy to say that we have probably one of the most balanced and one of the most exciting emergency and relief development organizations in the world because here's the thing. Not only do we care for the orphan and the widow and care for those in need, but guess what else? We are careful to share with them the love of Jesus Christ and the message that God can set them free. This last uh, summer, a group of us were in Africa, and Sergio told uh, some of us over supper about one of the orphans that came to him in his orphanage. Now please understand, Sergio is absolutely 100% caring for the poor and the needy for the orphan. But here's what a lot of people don't know, is that they're ministering, ministering to the souls, to the hearts of these kids. And one of the kids that came to him was a child who was indoctrinated and inducted into witchcraft as a small child. Now, here in the West, we don't ever hear about this sort of thing. And, and, and for some of us, we think, oh, it's not true, it's a myth. Go to Africa and find out for yourself what's really going on. This little child became so powerful that he had the power to kill people with his incantations. He was so powerful in the, in the forces of darkness that the whole village drove him out of the, out of the village. This is when he was, I think, six years old. Drove him out of the village, and here he is, roaming the backsides of Africa because nobody wanted him near. They were too afraid of him. And I believe it was a missionary that found this little boy and said we were going to bring him to one of the Villages of Hope. Actually, the, the Village of Hope that our missionaries went to. He, was, he was, had so much demonic activity in him and happening through him. I mean, this kid had the ability to move things without touching them. He to, just had that kind of power. And if, you know, this, some of you may be thinking, I don't believe any of this. Go to Africa and see it. You'll see it. You'll feel it. This young boy, before they brought him into the, into the orphanage, they brought him to the Bible college, which was right next door to the orphanage. And there they cast the, the, the evil spirits out of this child. And the boy was set free. And today, he's got a smile on his face. Gloria met him, saw him, and a lot of the other missionaries did. This is a happy little child. And if you ask him now about his past, he's forgotten about it. It's all been nailed to the cross, folks. It's all been been cleansed and washed away. He's a brand new creation. Now you tell me, what does this kid really need? Does he need clothes on his back or his belly fed? Or does he need to be set free from the powers of darkness? Folks, this is the message of the cross, and that's what this church stands for. It's to free you, to release you, to set you free from the forces and the powers of darkness that have you bound up. Some of you here today are struggling with sin. Some of you here today, even as I'm speaking, you're thinking, "Boy, Pastor, if you knew what's gone on in my heart and what's gone on in my life, if you knew what I'm doing these right, right, right now, if you knew what was going on in my life, you wouldn't even talk to me." But guess what, folks? It doesn't matter what I know or don't know. It matters what God knows. And here's the thing: God loves you. And loves you so much that rather than striking you down and putting you to death, he sends his own son, Jesus, to take the penalty, to pay the price for your sin. This, my friends, is the power of the cross. And this is what God wants to do for you if he has not already done that. Some of you may have grown up in the church. You've gone to church all your life. You've heard the message. You've, you've, you, you understand. You understand maybe better than anybody The fact of the matter is, is that today, your life is not where it needs to be. Jesus is calling you to come to the cross and to be set free. I can't do it. I can't take a cross and wave it over you. But I can tell you this, that if you put your faith in the one who died on the cross for you, if you ask him for forgiveness, he can set you free today. That's the message of the cross. And that's the significance of this church. While other churches are saying we're too sophisticated to talk about such gory details, this church will continue to preach the truth that sets people free. That's what we stand for. That's what we believe. No matter what others may say or do. Paul says this in verse 17 and 18, For Christ sent me to preach the good news, not with clever speech, for fear that the cross of Christ would lose its power. We're not trying to entertain people here. We're not trying to even send you home, make you feel good, give you a pep talk for life. That doesn't cut it, folks. And you know that. In those moments when you're feeling the the power of darkness overwhelming you because of your sin, what you really need is not a pat on the back or a a few few, uh, clever words or platitudes. What you need is you need the power of God to set you free. That's the power of the cross, the power of what Jesus did for you. Now, the Bible says that all who do not keep all the commands of God are under a curse. And here's the thing. You understand what that feels like. You understand what it feels like to be under the, under the heavy weight of sin. You understand what it means to feel guilty and to feel shame. And guess what, friends? God knows all about it. And that's why he sent Jesus. The Bible says all who do not keep the commands of God are under a curse, and so for that reason God sent His own Son Jesus. And look what it says here in Galatians three thirteen. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When He was hung on the cross, He took upon Himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the Scriptures, "Cursed is everyone." was hung on a tree. That's what Jesus Christ did for you and me. And all you have to do is put your faith in him. All you have to do is receive what he did for you. And how do you do it? By simply coming to him and asking him for forgiveness. For, the Bible says to so repent and turn from your wicked ways. And then you will have the forgiveness. And then you will have the release. And then you'll have the freedom. The Bible says that it's nailed To the cross in Colossians 2:14, he canceled the record. Listen this: he canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. All of the crimes, all of the sins, all of the evil things that you've done. When you come to Jesus and ask Him to forgive you, He takes the record of all your sins, of all your crimes, of all the evil things you've done, and the Bible says He nails it to the cross. Folks, that's the power of the cross. My question for you today is, have you received that? Do you live like that? Remember I said earlier, if you want to be, Jesus said, if you want to be my disciple, you must daily take up your cross and follow me. What is he saying? He's saying, very simply, that you need to live in submission to him. You need to say, Jesus, I can't make it on my own. Jesus, I want to live surrendered to you. I don't want to go back to my old way. I want to follow you and do your will. When you decide that that's how you want to live, that I can guarantee you this, your sins nailed to the cross and you're set free. You don't have to be going back over the same old roads, doing the same old things. You don't have to be suffering the same old sins anymore. God can set you free if you will just invite him to do that. Wow, the power of the cross sets us free from the curse, takes, washes, takes away our sin, and then finally, guess what else it does? It makes it possible for us to have relationship with God. It makes it possible for us to come into fellowship with God. Listen to me. If you're living in sin, if Jesus Christ has not taken away your sin and washed your heart clean, if you are living in rebellion, against God, that you have no fellowship with God. It's impossible for you to come to God. Your sins need to be repented of, and you need to ask for forgiveness. And the Bible says, then, then you will have fellowship with God. Look what it says here in Colossians 1.20. And through him, through Jesus Christ, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means, look at by means of Christ's blood on the cross. That's how we have fellowship with God. That's how we we come to God and we can have fellowship and and know Him. All this through the cross. When I was a young Bible college student, I came home at Thanksgiving. And... uh, Pastor Barber, on a Sunday night, used to have what they used to call evangelistic rallies. And every Sunday night he'd preach an evangelistic message and have an altar call. And this Sunday night, Pastor Barber had given a wonderful message. I can't remember what the message was about, but it's an evangelistic message about coming and receiving Jesus Christ. At the end of the message, we started to sing, Just As I Am and maybe some of you are familiar with that, the old hymn. Singing, they sing it at all Billy Graham's crusades. Just as I am, without one plea. We started singing the first few lines, and all of a sudden I saw, uh, sitting up in the balcony, I saw a man from the back just run down the aisle. Never seen that before. Wearing a white suit, very dapper, sharp, sophisticated-looking fellow. He ran up, and he grabbed the hold of the cross on the pulpit, the old Calvary temple. And there he just sobbed like a baby. I watched a picture of a man, overwhelmed by his sin, coming to the place where he would be completely set free. And I began to cry, watching this spectacle. A man coming and finding relief from his sin coming to the cross and I remember saying right there in my right in, my, in the pew where I was sitting I remember crying out to God and saying God help me be a pastor who's faithful in preaching the cross the cross that has the power to set people free from their sin why cross church? it's because while others Feel that they're too sophisticated to preach the cross, we continue to preach the cross because it is the very power of God to set you free from your sin. Just you down with me, please.